I'm Leon Davis, and this is One Good Question. There are a lot of conversations about COVID-19 and how it is affecting those on the front lines. But there aren't a lot of conversations with those same people who have to deal with it in their day-to-day. With that in mind, I'm speaking to five different nurses from five different disciplines, all living in different areas of the United States. And they're all dealing with COVID-19 on different levels. In the spirit and tradition of One Good Question, they all received the same question. Although common themes surfaced, they all left me with different things to think about. And that is the one thing that struck me. No matter how hard we tried to fit this into a neat little box, the opinions about this pandemic, how it has been handled, and what needs to be done going forward are as diverse as this nation. The question, what do you think the biggest thing that people on both sides of the political spectrum of this very non-political issue are missing at the ground level? My guest today is Renee Masoner. Renee works at a senior care and therapy facility in Lubbock, Texas. She's also my sister-in-law. Renee, how are you doing today? I'm good, Leon. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well, staying busy, you know, chasing kids around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been taking care? Yeah, pretty much for the most part. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, The question today is, uh, what do you think the biggest thing that people on both sides of the political spectrum of this very non-political issue are missing at ground level? So, Leon, you asked me a couple of weeks ago to be a part of this podcast, and I've been thinking about this question for weeks. And whenever I first started thinking about it, my perspective and my thought process about this question was so different two weeks ago than it is now. Um, And I've thought about it and we've missed each other. And now we're finally having the opportunity to talk about it. And as a nurse in the medical field, still working full time with patients that are the highest risk, um, the elderly patients in a nursing home, I think what everybody's missing is that now everything's trying to start opening up. All the governors are trying to open up the states, which I think needs to happen. But where I am working is probably never going to be different. It shouldn't be different. The mandates that the governors have put on nursing homes to keep our patients safe are probably going to have to stay the way that they are, at least until there's a vaccine. Um, Even just today, there was a news report uh, released about like 1,700 more nursing home patients in New York that they discovered had died from COVID-19. And so the population that that I personally work with every day and every night that I go to work are these high-risk patients that aren't going to be able to have visitors and celebrate the holidays with their families and have that normalcy return like the rest of the nation and the world. So I think that's maybe what is missing for some of the people that are wanting to go back to work and and wanting things to go back to normal. They have grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles that are going to be in these settings. And that probably is not going to need to change for them. And it's kind of sad. That's one of the aspects. I think another aspect of this COVID-19 that I think is different in that um, when the president and the governors all put everything on hold and all these stay-at-home orders were issued, those were based off of 
predictions. They weren't based off of the data that we had from our own doctors and our own scientists here in our own country. And now that we have months of data, there haven't been as many fatalities. There are there are a lot of cases, but there's the recovery rate is so high, so much higher than I think the 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 predictions predicted that now the fear that everybody has is very invalid. You know, um, again, our very high risk population of elderly patients and people with immunosuppressant diseases for sure stay at home. But everyone else, I think we just need to kind of get out and build our own immunity to it and get back to life. Okay. All right, cool. Cool. That was very long-winded. I'm sorry. No, it <laughs> but... wasn't. No, it's good. It's good. So you said since a couple of weeks ago when I asked you initially, you said that yeah. your thought process changed. So was there anything that triggered that change or is it just time to think about the question and kind of I move think, through? Um, I think that the change in my, you know, I was, I still, when I go out into public, I wear a mask and I clean everything when I come in from the grocery store. Like I'm still very cautious. I think that the fear of the unknown was uh, driving my opinion and my my thought process of every single thing that I did in my career and with my children and with myself. And I feel like the data and the information that we have received just from having patients, you know, recovering and... Uh, and listening to scientists and listening to doctors who are reporting what they're seeing and what they're dealing with across the nation, it is very different than what we've expected. And I'm so grateful that it's different than what we expected. And there still are mass casualties in parts of the United States. And um, I, I even, I know some nurses that have flown into New York to do some of the work with the COVID patients there in New York state. And it's very tragic. Fortunately, the rest of the country, the majority of the rest of the country, the hospitals and the ICUs are almost empty and they're furloughing physicians and they're furloughing nurses because they don't have patients. Patients don't want to go to the hospital because they don't want to catch COVID-19, but they have illnesses that still need to be treated and, and they're not going. All the elective surgeries that they have put off, you know, all of those people who do all of those jobs have been not able to work in most of the country because they've been preparing for these predicted mass hospitalizations. And I'm so glad they didn't happen. But now that they haven't, I mean, sure, there could be a surge after everything opens, there could be a surge of COVID-19 uh, numbers and, and sicknesses, but the recovery rate is so much higher than I think everybody expected. I still think our country is going to be fine. And it is the elderly population and the immunosuppressant disease ridden population that still need to stay at home and that we still have to protect as a nation. We still need to, we still need to protect those patients. So, um, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it did. did it? No, yeah, 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 it did. It did. It. I've talked about this with a couple other people. So I also have a nurse on here who's traveled to New York. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's going to be one in the series. And she spoke about that. And it's pretty intense up there. And I think mm -hmm. the thing that's a little different is that um, we, we have so many areas that are able to be populated, but not 
on top of each other, like here in Texas, wherein most of the world, um, most of their population is very urbanized and it's, they have so many more, like in China, all their population centers are gigantic and there's tens and hundreds of millions of people in these small areas. Like in New York, there's tens of millions of people and there's only a handful of areas like that here in the United States where you have a very small area and you have a bunch of people stacked on top of each other. And those are the areas that are seeing the biggest issue because I mean, rightfully so those people live very close and they pass like going to work. They, I was saying the difference between going to work in New York and going to work here is that in New York, you can walk three blocks and pass 10,000 people. Whereas here I get in my car and I can drive 50 miles and I don't have to come in direct contact with one person until I get out of the car. Right. And so I think a lot of that's kind of playing into our favor right now, but it's interesting. It's been really informative doing this series. It's caused me to kind of put a temperance on some of the things, you know, you like, you think I'm hearing from people that are out there, but it's also caused me to be more aware of other things. So it's really interesting. Well, and I think the biggest thing that I would like, to tell people from my personal perspective with the patients that I take care of is how it has impacted all of them and all of their families. And, and I don't work at a place where it's only nursing home patients that live there and have lived there for years and will live there for years. I work in a place that's a rehab skilled nursing. And so if your grandma breaks her hip and can't go home, she comes to my facility and my facility is, is mandated under the same notion as this nursing homes. And, and it should be known that they are very, very depressed and they're very sad. They cannot go to the dining rooms and eat. They are quarantined to their rooms all the time, 24 seven, and they cannot have visitors. They can't even have laundry brought in from outside. We have to do everything within the facility and it is to keep the patients safe. And I know that most of the family members that are involved appreciate that, but it's also sad because it is the last years of their life. And until they can come up with a way to have a, find a vaccine or anti- antibodies or whatever it's going to be to keep these people from dying from it, it's probably not going to change that aspect of the quarantine that a lot of people don't have to even think about. So my job will not change. I'll still have to wear masks and safety goggles and screen everybody to come in, even if our nation is, is opening back up. So, and I don't mind to do it. I think it's what needs to happen, but I don't know. That's just my little perspective of my little nursing world. There's tons of medical professionals out there that are on front lines in different ways, but my front line, although I have not, thank God, come in contact with a single COVID-19 patient, we test them if they have any symptoms. It's kind of scary when they do. And um, our combating right now is just combating depression and sadness. So, Yeah, I think the mental toll on the country as a whole um, will be the untold story, probably. Um, probably. Uh, we don't like we just over the last couple of years started talking about how important mental health care is. And so there's still not a huge focus on it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's focus on it in small segments, mm-hmm. but as a country, it's not something that we focus on as a whole. And it'll be interesting to see what the toll is on the country going forward. 
Right. I mean, not only just everybody who have lost their jobs, but I mean, I have three school-aged children. I know you're, you have three school-aged children and although they hate school, they miss school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their friends and the socialization and, and uh, you know, it, it, it has a huge emotional toll on you go to the store, you can't see anybody smile. I mean, granted there are a lot of people here that aren't wearing masks but yeah. you, know, you, can't, you can't see behind the masks if somebody's smiling at you and um or if somebody's frowning at you which comes in my favor sometimes at work <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh you know it it is gonna have it has had and i think that the emotional toll on the nation and the world is is going to be very impactful and yeah so anyway, I don't know. I'm, I like said, every day I feel a little bit different. Some days I'm a little bit more encouraged and am uh, looking forward to everything going back to normal. And then there are other days where I'm just like, this is going to be a new way of life because who knows when the next pandemic is going to, is going to happen. And yeah, I think yeah. maybe we'll be a little bit more prepared hopefully. Uh, as a, as a world, as hopefully as a nation, um, definitely as a family, I think it's made us, stronger in some ways being able to spend time with our families and that and that's the other thing in the profession that I've been in and the setting that I've been working it makes you just not take for granted the time that you do get to spend with your family because there are a lot of families out there that don't get to see their families only on a video like you and I are doing now yeah or through, or through a window on a good day yeah yeah uh, so it is, um, you know, definitely one of those times that makes you count your blessings and appreciate yeah, the things you have. For sure. Try to appreciate the time you've been here right now with your family. So, yeah. So I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak about it. I've never done anything like this before, so it was kind of nerve wracking, but I'm grateful to be able to work and still be able to provide for my family. But it's also it's also hard. So being out there and not knowing if what I'm going to bring home is going to be a hazard to my, to my family. So that's kind of the other aspect of a healthcare worker that I think a lot of people have thought, I mean, they think about it. It's not something that goes unnoticed, um, but it's, it doesn't make it easier. So, and, and I think a lot of the people who are um, frontlining this, this uh, pandemic, feel the same way. I mean, it, it's just what we're supposed to do and, and it hopefully won't have to last that much longer. So, yeah. yeah. So fingers crossed, right? We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. So. Yes. Hopefully it'll play out good and everything will be fine. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Leon. Thank you for listening today. If this is your first episode in the series, please go back and listen to our previous episodes. Also, join us tomorrow for the next installment of our COVID-19 series. This has been one good question. Once again, I'm your host, Leon Davis. Theme music by DJ Seth Lowry. Other music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen. To catch up with us on social, check the show notes.